video with it was uh, Joe Rogan, uh, Cam Haynes. Cam Haynes, no. He's an elk hunter um, and runs ultra marathons. And basically, he's famous for training every day. And so he trains, you know, 11 months every single day for then one month of elk hunting. And and that's what it takes to elk hunt. Yeah. yeah, yeah, That's why people don't get an elk, is because they can't get. Correct. Yeah, yeah. They fall short because they just can't get there. Yeah, they don't have the physical stamina or the endurance to get to the elk. Yeah, and and he wrote he wrote an amazing book. Cam Haynes. Yeah, it's uh, I think Keep Hammering is the book. Um, one of like I I read every day, so I go through a lot of books. It's one of the better books I've read in the past few years. It's really unique uh, how he how he wrote it, and there's lots of pictures and it's stories, you know, driven by stories. But he. He's been a writer for a very long time too, for like outdoor magazines, hunting magazines, that kind of thing. So the way he writes is really fucking good. Um, but it was it was Joe Rogan, Cam Haynes, and Jocko, and 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 so big. I, I love Cam Haynes. Listen to Joe Rogan all the time, and uh, I was just like, that's just amazing. These three guys, and they were shooting shooting uh, a lot of testosterone in one room. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, practicing bow hunting, and I was thinking, I was like, wait a minute, I'm gonna be with Jocko next month. <laughs> like, I, I'm one degree of separation from this video, <laughs> which was funny because you just, he's like, that's, that's pretty cool. And then like, wait a minute, we'll be with them pretty, pretty shortly. Are both of you guys going to the summit? Yeah. Yes. Area Dirtwood Summit. I'm doing the FTX. Oh, are you? Yeah. Oh. I'm not, but I'm going to be there. Oh, yeah. FTX. Yeah. I just, uh, I talked to JP, who's from Jocko's Janelle? team the other JP day. Yeah. 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 He's the one that runs that, yeah. or, or I guess did run that program. Uh, it's, it's amazing. I've never done it myself, but I got to, when we ran it here, I was, I was spectating all day. Oh, wow. Yeah. You got any secrets? Any, uh, no, no, it's, it's, um, it's, it's a really cool event. Cause the first, the first time everybody goes through it, uh, it's just like chaos. No one has any idea what the hell is going on. And then you run, you know, missions throughout the day. Right. And you can see everything get yeah better and better and better throughout the day. They they do that? a really nice job on it, and it's not it's not about like how to go, uh, you know, toe to toe with a Navy SEAL in close quarters combat. It's not not really that. It's it's That's all a good thing. Right? Yeah 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 yeah. It's it's all dedicated to uh, to to leadership principles, but in Fantastic. this high stress environment, which I really like because you. At least I, I sometimes think I'm better than I am. Don't we? Or all? yeah, or your your self assessment isn't always accurate. But then you're thrown into a really high stress situation, and you you know pretty quick what you have and what you don't. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so it's if nothing else, I've done other things that are high stress. It's just really helpful from like a self assessment standpoint. Okay, here's where I held up pretty good. Here's what surprised me. Then here's where I absolutely fell apart. And so I'm going to focus on that because I am not nearly as good as I thought I was. That, that's the key is you learn from your weaknesses and your mistakes. Yeah. And you have the humility to, to recognize that you do have room for improvement. Yeah. But it's, it's so we live our lives so comfortably. We're so tempted to just be in this bubble all the time. Like a lot of people just live in this bubble. They don't, they don't even dare venture out of it for, for years and years and years. And they don't have uh, experiences like that that really test them and help them build these skills. Aversion is a human trait that yeah. has we've evolved with. Right? Absolutely. It's Absolutely. almost as if it is part of evolution that 
you avoided unpleasant events or painful events or yeah situations that you were uncomfortable in so that the species can evolve continue that's it well and, and we're we're inherently lazy too because right. you when you're when you're um gathering and hunting for your calories you don't want to be spending calories on stuff you don't you don't need to do so we're wired to hey you don't need to be it, working hard it's right amazing now. <laughs> how much of our behaviors today are rooted in just survival what, survival yeah. what, how we had to survive dec- tens of thousands of years yeah. ago yeah, well, yeah. And, but when you think of it though am i correct that the vast majority of people that you know that have been through let's say been through the shit right have whatever whether it's it's business whether it's military whatever that adversity they wouldn't exchange it for anything in the world mm-hmm. and that's that's what blows my mind is that you see all these people that while they're in it right they hate it right they don't want it um they would trade it and yet when they're through it they look back like that was so formative that was something you know that was something that they that's who they are now yeah yeah now i'm not yeah. saying that people want all the trauma associated with some of that but you know look at what you've learned in your business right if you would have known then before you even started out what you know now you might not have done it no, and and like frankly, this past year has not been fun. I I wouldn't. And I was just thinking about it the other day. I was like, I don't. I haven't really had fun this year. And 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 I've had amazing experiences. I've been to amazing places. I've met great people. So so I've, I've I'm I'm really grateful for all of it. I haven't had fun, but it's like, but that's okay. I don't need to have fun all the time. Like yeah. <laughs> I, I've learned more this year than the past four or five before that combined. Uh, and, and that's the value and, and, um, like even, you know, the race on Sunday, it's not necessarily fun. Like I, I try to have fun, but you're lying to yourself right. a lot, oh, a lot yeah. of that that's time. That's all part of it. I'm sure. Yeah. yeah it's, yeah. it's a lie. It's, it's not fun, but that's not the point. Like the, right. <laughs> <laughs> the, the point is to do something hard to, to prove to yourself that you're capable of more than you really think you are. Um, and, and it's just. It's the same principle with anything. But you don't look back at that race and go, I wish I wouldn't have done that. Yeah, exactly. Right? Because you're happy yes. you did it, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's all part of it. You feel pretty damn good when you finish that race. Yeah, you feel like a million bucks. You feel like you could go do anything. If you yeah. didn't, don't tell me that because I want to be able to say that people who do that feel good about it afterwards. I want to, I want to think that at least. Yeah, no, <laughs> you, you, it's, um, that's, that's the, that's the appeal. What, what I've learned too is it's, um, you can, you know, life experience, you kind of have to live life to gain life experience, but you can get more life experience in like one year of experience is not equal to one year. And you can accelerate that, that process. And something like that is a dramatic, uh, acceleration of life experience. I think you learn so much about life in a 12-hour period. So many life lessons can be gleaned from this one really hard 12 hours. And so I love I love them too because I'm just like smashing a bunch of life into just this one little compact event that I can then take all these lessons, extrapolate these lessons and go then apply it looking forward in my life. And so I think it's it's just really effective from a life standpoint is, is how I look at it. I love that term, smashing all these events or all these things i like that smashing all these things well into, that's uh, to one you know just, i like like this compression me i'm 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 28 i'm i'm leading this organization doing you know lots of sales and all these people and all these people look into us to to support like like you all you know how could we support you and we're having you know 
700 plus people at this event next month and there's all these crazy things happening. It's like, I don't have the time and the luxury to just like, yeah, let's learn leadership kind of just as we go. Like, <laughs> you know, it's it's just, I don't want to take it too fast. Like I don't, <laughs> I don't have the benefit of taking my time. So yeah. I better figure it out quick right? <laughs> or, or else I have problems and I've had problems as a result of my And you're going to have problems ignorance. again. Sure. Oh, right? so, nonstop. So you just lean into it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you two, you guys don't move dirt. We don't. We represent people who do. Uh-huh. Yeah. We don't. We don't physically go out there and move dirt. You, you don't want us moving dirt. Sure. Yeah. We've so, been in dirt. We walk in dirt. We play in dirt. We don't move well, dirt. Well, and yeah. when I met you, we were standing <clears throat> in well, dirt. Well, we were at Schlauch. We were yeah. in, in the, uh, at there, which, what a terrible morning. Or mud. Well, yeah, yeah but, it, it, there, and there was like nothing going on. Right? Yeah. It was, yeah. It was, I it was, was disappointed slow. too. Yeah. They got a big storm the night before. They did. Just cleaning did. up. and, um. But when you say represent, People who move dirt, what does that mean? We're the broker for people who move dirt. So we, we place coverages, we do uh, advisory services for people who move dirt. Um, that includes everything from site work, heavy highway, demolition, um, aggregate quarry operations, you know, materials. Yeah. And when you say the broker, what is what Insurance does that broker. Mean? So we, we, we source and place coverages. And I'm going to ask Carl to uh, correct me on anywhere we're, we're, we're asking our, our safety consultant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Ask, ask the president of our company. Yeah. Ask him. Yeah, I, you know, I would take a step back from saying that we're a broker. Um, the vision that I have for the organization is to, to really position ourselves so that we're helping our clients solve their biggest risk challenges. The biggest challenges they have in their business, the biggest threats or risks to their business, they should be coming to us and we should be ready in a position to help them. And sometimes that means placing insurance because they have a risk that is so catastrophic that if it were to happen, you need them. They want to be able to transfer that risk to somebody that has deep pockets and that's insurance. But there's a lot of risk that they don't want to send to an insurance company. They don't want to pay for it, which means they'll retain it. And then how can we help that company retain that risk but not have it so that it hurts them or doesn't harm their business. So people like Jeff help companies figure out the risk that they do retain. How do we minimize that risk so it's not going to cause loss of limb? Uh, it's not going to cause a financial impact to the organization. So there's risk management. The reason I love it is that it runs the whole spectrum. Mm -hmm. It runs the spectrum from fully 100% owning it. It's it's 100% on the client, the contractor, to offloading it to a third party and everything in between to help them manage and, and deal with their biggest challenges. Yeah. I um and, and the risk can be substantial in this in this world. Oh, it, it, there's no uh, <laughs> to say the least. Yeah, this yeah. is not this is the big leagues. When you're talking construction in risk, you're talking about the big leagues. You're not talking about uh, vanilla like ice cream stands and even you know, some manufacturing organizations where they're ma manufacturing widgets, you're talking about the real deal. Well, um, going back to Jocko, you know, they'll talk, you know, uh, they have these examples from the SEALs teams where yeah. it's life and death. They're like, yeah. well, business isn't life and death. And then they say, well, we work with construction companies, though, where it can be life and death, yeah. <laughs> which is one example of the risk is That's, it can be life and death. It's life and death for many of our customers. Yeah. Yeah. When you look at a, uh, just take like a highway work zone, um, it is life and death. 
you mm-hmm. are you are oftentimes separated from death by a Jersey barrier. Yeah, um, there's um, and you know it. There's that risk, and then there's all the equipment. Right, you've got everything that's involved in the dirt world is heavy, big, and can kill you. Mm-hmm. So you have um, you have all of that, and then if, of course if something does go wrong, you have that reputational risk, right? Because now now you you know what happens? The news cameras come in. The focus is on the company logo, the sign. Yep. And um, it's, it's tragic and it's bad business. Yeah. So, so, yeah. you know, our, our thing is we, uh, we genuinely invest. It sounds trite, but it's not, it's, it, it's, it's for real. Like right now we're dressed as we wouldn't dress if we were on a job site. If we're on a job site, we're going to be, we're going to be fully geared up like our clients ready to go. But we invest in their, in, in what they do because we want to we want to know it we want to know it inside now we want to be there we want to um, you know we we don't believe that risk can be managed best from from an armchair from a desk chair we believe it's managed best from the site i i would argue though if you're going to hit a bridge with an excavator uh on a low boy make sure it's logoed pretty good because it is good pr you're going to get that you will get you will get coverage right well, who, yeah. who who said uh uh any publicity is good pub or even bad publicity <laughs> whatever it's i don't agree though i do i maybe have your maybe have your competitors logo on like magnetic signs oh, you can slap on the clever. side yeah well you yeah, know that's not that clever. we've done that we wouldn't yeah. advocate that officially <laughs> yeah. for anybody listening yeah. we, we don't advocate uh, i've had yeah. uh, uh, my client hit a bridge with a piece of equipment going underneath. Yeah. Uh, it happens. It happens. Yeah. We, we had yeah. one, yeah, we had one where the knuckle of a uh, excavator hit a, a railroad bridge. You know, that can cause problems. Sure, yeah. We frown on that. Yeah, yeah, you don't want to mess with the railroad. No. They don't get very happy. They don't like that. Yeah, yeah. there was, um, I was working on a project uh, on the railroad in Arizona, and there was a contractor a little ways down from us, and all over the radio, you have these radios, satellite radios, that you can pick up, people working down different mile markers because they, they work they pretty long range and you just hear all of this chatter oh. all of a sudden. Mm. And I'm like, what, what, what's going on? They're like, they collapsed a crane across oh. two mainline tracks. And so the operator, a bad day. yeah, was backing up with this crawler crane and then the, the, but he had the boom too high, too up. vertical. Too vertical. Yeah. And so then it, but, and, you don't think of this, but it's like there's nothing holding it from going back. So it goes back and goes all the way across both mainline tracks. And uh, it was as if you you took a baseball bat to a bee's nest. There were railroad people. You don't see railroad people. And then something goes wrong. <laughs> they're everywhere. Everywhere. <laughs> and they're just like, just get the torches out. Yeah. Cut the damn thing in half. Pull it Move off the it tracks. Off. Yeah. And we've got trains come back. We have here. cargo. Yeah. This is, have- this is your problem, <laughs> not ours. You better figure it out. And the guy, the, the crane operator, mm. I don't know if this was smart, but was smart enough to just get in his truck and leave. leave. <laughs> <laughs> Never to be seen again. I was going to say, we might advise that, you know, <laughs> just disappear That's for a little great. bit until we get to talk to you. Yeah. How about that? That's so, terrible. So the r- risk, I think, is, is um, and what you all do is, I think, underappreciated, especially if I'm a newer contractor. This is the kind of stuff I don't think about. I'm thinking about building stuff. But the, the risk is substantial, um, and just one event can take you out pretty quick. And I think it's, it's only increasing. Largely driven by lawyers. My father's a lawyer. And there's this, there's been over the past few decades, this significant upward pressure created by litigation, 
and a lot of additional rules and regulations and environmental. And there's all these things nowadays that's driving the cost of construction further and further up without delivering more value. And you can just see that in overall construction efficiency. We have declined, I think it's by 40% since 1950. While the entire economy has increased significantly, construction is one of the only sectors that's declined in productivity substantially. And I think a lot of that's driven by just the increase of regulatory burden and contracts and risk. So if you can manage that effectively, you're in a much better position. So how how do you all, uh, Sam, a construction company, doing $100 million a year? I come to you all. What What does that conversation even look like? Yeah, well, we like to start from the beginning. We want to understand exactly uh, what their strategies and philosophies are for managing risk. And we want to go see it. We just don't take their word for it. Uh, We want to see it, but we'll help them build it from the ground up. That's our job difference about our company is that um, we want you to outsource the risk function to the extent that you're comfortable with to to us Mm -hmm. because we want you to focus on building things. Sure. We want you to focus on um, what you need to do to grow your company and let us help you grow and develop the risk management culture and systems and procedures that you need. And so a company that is humble enough, that is open enough to allowing somebody in fully will thrive with us. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, in the world out there, I've figured out there's like three types of companies. Um, <laughs> First type of company, uh, they they operate in industries where you just can't have a loss. I think of like uh, the nuclear navy or yeah. or yeah. the airline industry. You you really the 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 error rate it has to be zero or as close to zero as you can possibly imagine. The second group of companies I find out there are ones that I would just call they just get lucky that they're they're going along just fine. They think everything's fine, but really if you um, you know look under the hood, they've just been lucky. Mm. And the third set of companies uh, are companies that are always striving to get better and are always questioning and looking for ways to to improve. They're always questioning the way they do things. How how do others do it? How can I learn from failures? And they're always striving. And we could help both of those sets, the, the the first set of companies that I mentioned, the first category, you know, they're they're well in their way. They, you know, they don't need somebody like us, but uh, we could help the companies that are just lucky. But we really thrive with the companies that always want to get better. Um, that that's really the uh, the foundational element that needs to be there. That the companies, unfortunately, that are just getting lucky, it usually takes them uh, having a bad event. And then, and then they realize that their luck ran out. Yeah, that's and that's the genesis of a lot of great safety programs. Is mm. something really bad. A lot, there's a lot of great safety programs that are written. Yeah, Jeff, I'll let Jeff talk oh, to you about yeah, that. Yeah, we've we've uh, uh, we see people basing their their or, or judging the quality of their safety program on weight. You know, is it is it a three pound program? You know, um, yeah. we actually yeah. reviewed one one time stripped it down from 344 pages to 100, 110, I believe it was. And the president of the company literally picked it up, having never read either version, picked it up and balanced them in his hands. He said, I don't like the lighter one. I like heavy programs. Uh, but we, uh, we really try to get a company uh, to see the light or to help them see the light and to work with them before 
there's that tragedy, right? You don't want that. Too many people do get religion after there's blood and sorrow on a job site. And um, we don't believe that that has to happen. I do believe, I'm not naive. I've been around this profession for over 30 years. I do believe you can be tremendously successful in business in, in the dirt world and not hurt people. I really do. I think it's possible. In fact, I know it's possible. I've seen it. But um, we, are, we, we do best with the companies, the type of companies that Carl mentioned, because they, they want to get better or they've been lucky and they know they've been lucky. We talked with a firm out of uh, Oregon and the, uh, uh, the woman uh, who was the CEO, she said, um, I'm really concerned about where we are today and how we are today. And I said, well, you have a great safety record, you know, EMR, TRIR, Dartmouth. And she goes, well, we do. And I said, is that because you're, you're good or because you're lucky? We were on teams and she's like staring at the camera and she goes, I, I never thought of that. She goes, I think, I think we're lucky. And she goes, and that, that is what, that is really what's keeping me awake at night. She goes, so what do we do? Now you have a conversation. Well, and even when you get into like EMR rates, I, I know you can play around with the math a little bit. Come on. Who would do that? <laughs> Come on. There's contractors play around. With Come on. There's a little bit of wiggle room there. And I was, <laughs> but I was talking with one of the great contractors and he says, I, I struggle with saying our goal is this EMR rate because that's, that's basically me saying that, yeah, we're just going to hurt X amount of people. Yeah. Uh, yeah. How much are you? Uh, <laughs> yeah. And, and I thought about that. I was with. like, ah, that, that's pretty profound. That, that makes sense. Like, Okay, I, I get having goals, but you need to be careful what your goals are because if your goal is a certain rate or certain like incident rate or whatever it is, you're basically saying, well, it's just kind of a cost of doing business. It is what it is. The number of companies that do that, that are like, hey, you know what? Our goal for this year, you know, we're only going to hurt X number of people. Yes. That'll be better than last year. You know, we hurt. We, we're still hurting people, but we're hurting fewer. And they, and they will never say that. They won't but say they that. they indirectly say it by- But our goal is to reduce yeah, whatever, yeah. lost time incidents by 10%. Yeah. We're still going to hurt people, just yeah. not as many, right? Yeah. And not as severe. With, with I, what you all have to offer is extraordinarily valuable. But uh, like you were saying, companies have to be trusting enough to even let you in the door. And I can imagine that even just that alone- is tricky to even get in the door and get to a position where you can really help them. Cause I've experienced this on, on, on our side too. It's like, I, you know, speaking with a bunch of equipment dealers the other day, it's like, I could, I, I, what we have to offer, I know could help this room dramatically, but they don't really care. I need to get their trust and I need to get in the door before I can even begin that kind of conversation. Mm -hmm. Or I can help you. Yeah. It's still, still just a trust thing. And I, can imagine that's step one for a lot of companies that you work with. Yeah, and and some companies are really afraid of what you find mm, and what they'll have and mm. what they'll have to do mm. as a result of it. Mm. We've had, uh, we've we've uh, weeded them out our book uh, because they didn't want to get better. I, I had a company president tell me he goes, I I really don't want to know. I actually had two, and we weeded both of them out. Where the one said. I don't want to be copying anything because I don't want to know. Mm-hmm. He said, because then if I know, I have to do something about it. Yeah. So um, uh, we try not to work with people like that. Yeah. And that's how um, 
that's how Rockefeller did things, John D. Rockefeller. So he had plausible a, deniability. Yeah, exactly. He yeah. had this level of of leadership within the organization mm-hmm. Standard Oil that executed what they needed to execute. And he said, "This is what needs to happen. Don't tell me how you do it. I don't want to know because then I can go testify in front of Congress and say I had no idea." <laughs> Not exactly extreme ownership, right? Not, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's messy. It's messy. Yeah. It's, it's, but the, the trust thing is big. So once, uh, say, you know, this is a great contractor, they really do want to get better. Where is typically the lowest hanging fruit? It's different for every company. And Jeff would probably be able yeah, to ans- answer better. But I think, um, what do you look at first, I guess? Well, I think you walk around the job site and you look at, housekeeping on the job site uh, to me housekeeping is one of those bellwethers like you, uh, you if you see um i can say shitty right i can say shitty in this podcast absolutely right? okay. you can if say you shitty. see it it's the best description if you see a shitty job site it tells you a lot yeah. it tells you a lot whether it's whether it tells you about the culture of the company as a whole or just about the leadership of the project but it's it it's a bellwether and uh-huh. it and it tells you about the morale in the project right um i was just telling someone the other day you want to keep you know, the people like that come in from the outside and walk your jobs, you want to keep us happy? Just have us show up and it's a clean job site. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, but that's one of the main things. If we're actually looking at the tangible things, one of the other things is kind of um, um, almost helping people that have been, uh, say, uh, uh, beaten up by the checklist mentality. Yeah. Yeah, there's so many people in, in the insurance world or in the broker world or in the, now, now, you know, we're, we're also consultants. We do advisory services, but just there's so many people that, that think that helping a company is coming in and giving them another checklist, checking the boxes, giving them a report. Maybe it's had, you know, it's got all kinds of cool photos and a nice format and, uh, and that's helping. And I think too many companies are so accustomed to that, that they don't know that there's another way. Mm-hmm. And when you start asking people, like, you know, the one company we're working with, when we started talking with them, they're like, well, what, what do you want from us? I said, well, I want to get to know your people. They're looking at me like, what? Like, mm-hmm. Is there a form or is there a whatever? We have to, like, I, I just want to get to know your people, see what you do. And I want to get to know your people. I want to talk to them. Yeah. And um, it's amazing. I mean, you, 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 You've empl- or you've demonstrated that time and time again, where you go out. That's one of the things that you know that I said before. I think when I was when you were at Schlauch, about what what got my attention with your company is that you were actually going out and talking to people. You yeah, you were photographing equipment. It was cool. Like you got me at your photographs first, but you started having conversations with people. That seems like such a human thing to do, right? mm-hmm. but it, it was unusual. It was unusual enough that I'm like, who is this guy? Yeah. Well, that's, that's what we do. And that's one of the differentiators that we get to know your business and your people. Yeah. Because that's, that, that's, if, if you don't know a company's business and their people, you're going to apply a cookie cutter solution to a problem they might not even have. It's a, it's a solution in search of a problem. At, yeah. This, it's, it's, it's interesting that you, you, yeah, get to know their people, look at their job sites, because I, based on one job site visit, could tell you a lot, a lot about that company, a lot about that company, just by watching. We ran into a company, um, no names ever, of course, but uh, first visit, first visit, I show up and uh, I'm in the, 
assistant safety guy's office and the safety director peeks his head in, never met him before. And he says to the assistant, goes right by him, he says to the assistant, and I don't expect people to be like, oh my gosh, Jeff Spence, oh, you know, whatever, sign, sign my autograph. Uh, but he says to his assistant, he goes, hey, listen, uh, when you go out with uh, the guys from Graham, he said, uh, we're going to meet up out there. We might, we might uh, fire that operator. Well, now you have my attention, right? I'm like, you're going to fire an operator. People are hard to get. We're going to kill people. Yeah. So here it turned out that um, uh, when the guy introduced himself, he said, uh, you're going to see what our disciplinary program is like. This is my introduction to the company, right? Punishment, discipline, uh, punitive efforts, right? <laughs> so, yeah. you know, we're going we're gonna to beat our people to a new culture, right? To like a new future. And this is a prospect. And um, I get with the assistant safety guy. We go out to the job site and on the way out, I said, so tell me, what, what did this operator do? And he goes, oh, yeah. He said, uh, he got a rock caught in the tracks of his, his excavator. Okay. Seems like rather normal day, maybe. And he uh -huh. goes, yeah. I said, well, why, why would you lay up or why would you fire him? Well, because um, this is the second time he's gotten a rock caught in the tracks. I'm like, well, wow. I'm like, that's okay. And I said, uh, how's he getting rocks caught in the tracks? He goes, I, I I don't know, but he goes, you know, we've had it. At least the the, the directors had it. We're gonna we're gonna get rid of them. So we go out to the job site. Well, the excavator is on a pile of rocks. It's a rock pile. Uh -huh. They got the guy sitting on a rock pile with the excavator, doing what? Working with rocks, right? Moving around rocks, and they're they're pissed off because he's getting rocks caught in the tracks. I'm like, yeah. you you literally set him up to fail. And I said, what's the solution? They're like, well, he's got to be more careful. So my my introduction was. They were going to fire a guy because he got a rock caught in the tracks of his excavator working on a rock pile. It sounds crazy, but that that really does happen. I mean, I, I was on a job site with one of the the big longstanding contractors in the industry, like Gold Standard, <clears throat> and I right in front of me, this guy backed into something with a skid steer and and scratched the skid steer. Yeah, it didn't damage anything. Yeah. Scratched the skid steer, fired him on the spot. Did they really? Oh yeah, they, that's our policy. You back into something with skid steer, we fire you. I'm just like, that doesn't that doesn't really make a lot of sense though, because there's no lesson learned there. Now everybody's terrified. It's now. fear, right? Now, yeah. Now, now you created a fear based culture. Yeah. And listen, I'm not one for you know for for not having high expectations of people. You should have high expectations of people, but you should also set them up for success. Mm -hmm. And when I saw them talking with this guy, he's just kind of shaking his head like you know. And I'm thinking, you literally put him in an environment. Where he can't succeed, except like he, he can't knock get a rock caught in his tracks. And what are you gonna do? You're gonna fire him because he got a rock caught in his tracks twice. Yeah. So like, the, like, like this guy, you back in, and it's like, okay, well, so what's what is the lesson for everybody? Don't screw up. You're gonna be human, but don't be human. Sure. And and again, I I get human it. in a wildly variable environment. Yes. <laughs> Yes. Well, and then there's also a double standard I've noticed between office and field. It's like an estimator can go go blow up, like leave eight million dollars on the table for a for a bid. That's a great. Yeah, are they good, fired? Right. No, a, we we need the estimators. Like, well, they screwed up, and that's a very expensive mistake. Like, uh, yeah, it, that's it's, a very good point. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. You asked what the low hanging fruit was, and it the low hanging fruit. I'm gonna say. Is culture. It really is. It really is. But it's not easy, right? No, so so no. it doesn't become low-hanging fruit because it's a lot of work. Sure. Right? People think a low-hanging fruit and it's like, well, what can I create a checklist for? What can I fix today? Yeah. Well, 
the opportunity that is right there in front of you that would make the biggest impact for every organization out there is to work on their culture. Mm-hmm. And it's the low-hanging fruit of our day, um, but it's uh, hard work and people need help. Yeah. And they don't often ask for the help. When, when you think about where, I do believe most accidents start way down the line, way down the line. And um, I believe that um, attitudes play a part in the decisions we make. I believe that the decisions that we make play a part in our behavior. And I believe that that behavior plays a part in, in what happens on the job. I, I'm not a fan of behavior-based safety for anybody that might chime in on this or, or listen in this podcast, but- uh, No, no one listens. No, no, no. I figure just, just a few thousand yeah. people or a hundred thousand yeah. people, whatever. But, the, uh, but um, you know, when you think about culture, my definition is it's um, what you believe and how you live it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and it's it really the tone is set by the by the executives, by the management. Management sets the culture. Uh, you can say, well, it's actually a bottom up. Uh, no, culture is set by management, and then the people that are drawn to the company or that are hired by the company either share in that mindset or they're going to work somewhere else. Um, they may not buy in right away to everything, but they're going to share in that. And then, um, so th- that creates the attitudes. The attitudes create that um, that those decisions, and that des- those decisions create the behavior. And yes, stuff happens. There's stuff that goes wrong. There's there's parts that break unexpectedly. There's um, things that fail that couldn't be foreseen. But um, I am convinced. I'm convinced that. If you want to ail what fixes you, or, or, or rather, if you want to fix what ails you, you start with culture. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it's, it's more than a cliche. It's more than a, um, a statement. Uh, we, we, we believe it. We've seen it. You start with a culture and everything else, the DART, the TRI, or all that other uh, stuff that, uh, um, let's say, is further down the line, is going to come along with it. But the, the thing with culture is in training and so on and so forth, like we talked about with safety. A lot of safety programs are born out of a safety accident. Yeah. There, right now, there is an incentive to work through culture because of the workforce deal, but not really because everybody's still making tons of money. Sure. Tons of money. Uh, This year is going to be a record year for the industry by a long shot. Last year was a record year despite the inflationary pressure from the materials companies kind of running away with their costs because they can, (laughs) Um, fuel, whatever it is, everybody's still making a ton of money. And so I, while it's obvious for me, I'm a mere fan in the stands. I'm not actually down on the field. I just criticize for fun, armchair quarterback. Um, While it's, it's, it's obvious, I understand why a lot of companies don't go there because it's uncomfortable. It's different. I've been doing it very successfully for 40 years this one way, and I'm making more money than I've ever made before. And I'm retiring in four years. What? Like, where's the incentive? <laughs> and and there isn't really an incentive financially. There is, but there isn't, which is why if there was, we would see the industry changing right. dramatically right now, but it's not happening. You say it's a cost, like, are, are they looking at the, uh, some of the uh, uh, cost of safety or the uh, uh, cost of insurance, whatever, as, uh, as part of the cost of doing business? 
a lot of a lot of times. Oh, and, yeah. and, and, and if you measure success by making money, it's like why uh, fix it? It's not broken. Yeah, We're exactly. Money, yes. Right? Yes. I, I mean, I have this exact scenario with several of my clients, and I've had this this discussion. Um, I would say the companies that are forward looking now, they're going to be in an environment that is different in the future. The owners that are going to be letting out the work are going to start demanding certain things that are that these contractors are, are unused to, that are going to make them uncomfortable, and it's related to culture. I'm thinking about offshore wind projects off the East Coast. Mm-hmm. The owners of- That's a hot topic. It's a hot topic for yeah. ma- many, many reasons. <laughs> um, but with so much money to throw around there, yeah, they have the, the pick of the litter of who they're going to work with. And with the publicity sometimes being as negative as it is, if, you know, if you're on the side of killing whales or yeah, if you're on the green energy <laughs> side where, like, where at all costs green energy and you need these wind farms off there, um, they don't want the extra publicity of having a contractor on a job that's going to cause reputational damage. So sure. they have to pick it a litter. And there are certain things that these contractors are going to have to do and be able to prove that that if they're not running a safe and have a culture that <clears throat> is going to ensure their their performance, they're not going to get the work. Yeah. And I've seen it. Yeah. I've seen examples of this already. I've seen the low bid contractor get their contract revoked. Get, yeah. Get removed. Well, yeah, and that's the thing. Even in a low bid environment, yeah, yeah you can still get your contract yeah. kicked because of requirements not being met. Right. The East Coast Wind Farm stuff. I just love it because it's, we need green energy, all the rich people. We need green energy. And then, well, well all right, you know, backyard. Martha's Vineyard, perfect place for these wind windmills. Wait, yeah. hey, hey, yes, hey, hey, hey. wait a second. Like, no, not, no, no. Not in my backyard. Yeah, I spent $23 million on this house. You're not putting a windmill in front of, right. in front of my view. Uh, so anyway. you're going to start uh, uh, Water World then too? Is Dirt World, Water World, you're going to start that at the yeah. wind farms out there? Yeah. Well, there was this- There was dirt this, under that water. <laughs> there, yeah, was this, there was this meme. There was somebody was like, why don't we just fill in the Atlantic Ocean? Ocean, create a lot more land like that, that's our solution and then someone commented it's like well we haven't done that yet because uh big water has been lobbying it's big big dirt that's, <laughs> great that's a great thing that's, that's oh, funny that's oh the internet you know the other thing with uh uh kind of the answer to your your inquiry there i think there are business owners that um i don't think we have any working or that we're working with i, I don't want to work with this this type but um they can watch their people get hurt. They can um, hear of their people being zipped up in body bags and um, they can sleep it. I, I, I think those people are few and far between. Um, in my uh, time as a safety professional, the, the hardest question I've been asked, I've been asked it several times, sadly, uh, by, by business executives is, what do I say to the family? And it's after there's been a, a horrific incident. And it's, 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 um, it's one question I'll only answer for, mm-hmm. you know, what, imagine if I pulled out like a, you know, laminated pocket script, Hey, here's the, you know, this is, this is the script for talking about the family of someone who just found out their loved one died or was, you know, disabled. <clears throat> and, um, I do believe I, uh, that most business owners, most executives, uh, they want to sleep at night. And I believe that, uh, when, um, when they know that they've taken care of the well-being of their people 
and this, you know, I, I'm I'm not a softy. Uh, I'm I'm conservative in my views. I'm not this, uh, <clears throat> you know, granola chewing uh, whatever. Um, but I mean this in that I, I I really believe if they know that their people are cared for, truly cared for, um, they're going to sleep at night. Mm-hmm. Uh, I you know I I believe that. Um, Quality, productivity, profitability, and safety are not mutually exclusive. I think you, you can have it all because we've seen it all. We, mm-hmm. We've seen it. Um, to me, that's one of the biggest driving forces. I know a guy that is um, uh, a, just a tremendous executive, looks the part, plays the part, talks the part. Um, he told me, he goes, the one thing that I, I, I can't handle is the thought of talking to a family of one of my employees. He said, I just can't. He goes, I, whether that should be a motivator or not, he goes, I, I, I literally can't stand the thought. Mm-hmm. So he's like, I, I have to, you know, he goes, that's one of the things that, that uh, haunts me is that I don't ever want to be in that spot. So, and when we talk, you know, culture, really, I, I think it is, it's more than just safety. It's, 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 it's the entirety of the organization. It's how you do business with people. It's how you do business with your suppliers. It's how you, um, how you, um, uh, ups or uh, um, uh, improve your workforce. You know, we're um, we see still to this day we see a, a, a huge talent deficit and skill deficit in the workplace. Yeah, uh, skilled people are are still in demand and always will be. So, you know, and they're going to gravitate at some point if they're that skilled and they're that much in in demand. They're gonna they're gonna naturally move to the companies where they feel they have the best opportunity to earn a living and return to their families the case yeah and I, i've <clears throat> i've been given a lot of people advice like man, hey the company i work for sucks i'm like hey, but yeah t- tell me about it like uh and have you have you really given it all you yeah. got like like yeah i'm like then go to another company yeah. leave quit and and go elsewhere because you can right now yeah. there was this um um there's a like one of the historical precedents i've looked at was the black plague in europe that's dramatic. Well, yeah, it is dramatic, but it knocked out half the population. So then what happened was you had basically all of those left over that were working class were then twice as valuable because you still had the same amount of work that needed wow. to get done. Yeah. And all of a sudden, this working class had power for the first time. Interesting. And then they started sticking it to the, the, the man. Yeah, to, to the man. <laughs> because they could. And you look at this year, for example, uh, United Auto Workers on strike right now. There's been... Uh, the UPS almost went on strike. Railroad went on strike. Riders went on strike. There's, there's all of this this movement in the labor market because the people have the, the power dynamic has shifted, and these companies don't even recognize it yet. It's like you, your people are free agents. They can go anywhere they want, <laughs> any day of the week, and that's a crazy thought. It's kind of scary at first. You're like, shit, my people just walk off whenever. But then if you reframe it, like. I better be doing everything I can to make the argument to them every day of the week. This is in your best interest to be here. Um, the scary thing about risk, though, is that there was an incident on the East Coast, maybe outside of Philly. For example, this doesn't happen often, so statistically, it's not that that significant. But it is it is a reality nonetheless. Um, there was this a crew working on the uh, road road highway. They probably filled out their forms. They're wearing their PPE. They did all the safety procedures. They're working behind Jersey barrier and a car uh, rolls over the barrier, kills five workers. Maryland. Maryland. And just like that, they, pr- they could have done everything right, but just the environment alone is that dangerous. And so you can sit there as a business owner and I did everything right. 
but you still are exposed to that risk at the end of the day. Right. We're never going to we're we're never going to eliminate risk from our environment. We're yeah. going to mitigate it. We're going to manage it. But you can't. Uh, you know, highway construction is one of the perfect examples because you can do, like you said, everything right. You can have the signage right. You can have everything right, and it's um, you're you still have a significant amount of residual risk, and um, that's proven every day. Every day, uh, there's um. Uh, I'm, I'm reminded of, uh, there, there was a businessman, um, a terrible story walking on the beach down, I think South Carolina and he's, he, he was on the beach and he's, he was on a business trip and he's on the phone with his daughter <clears throat> and, um, he's, you know, it, she's like, daddy, you're coming home. He's like, yeah, sweetheart, I'll be home tomorrow. I'll see you tomorrow. You know, I'm coming back. And as he's on the phone with her, a chunk of blue ice falls from the sky from a jetliner, right? Falls from the sky and annihilates him on the beach where he stood, right? Wow. So you look at that, you go, we're never going to eliminate risk. That's divine intervention. It is. He, it is. He it had it coming. Yes, yes, yes. There was definitely a date. Yeah, on yeah. It. yeah there was yeah. an expiration date. But um, but I, you know, I use that in, in, in some of our culture discussions as we're never going to eliminate risk from our environment, right? We're, we're at risk sitting here. We're at risk uh, uh, getting here today. You're at, we're all at risk. Sure. We stay in bed, we're at risk, right? We're at, we're at risk of atrophy and, and decline. Um, but I do believe that there's so much that we do have within our control that we need to manage as if lives depend upon it because they do. Yeah, but this is, so this is where, I think a nuanced conversation is necessary because rules are a lot easier to implement than culture. Oh, and tremendously I, so. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I think culture is a more effective way to, to mitigate risk and to make sure everybody works safe. Absolutely. But if one person injures their hands over here, it's way easier to say, okay, all 1,200 of you need to be wearing gloves at all times. Even though 1,100 of you don't need to be wearing gloves, all 1,200 need to be wearing gloves. That's the easy thing to do rather than trust me as an individual to understand the risks, to understand what happened, and then to mitigate the risks as needed throughout the day. Like I, I get the need for rules, but then at the same time, that's where culture, I think, dominates if you can get it right. Because to say that's, that's why I have a problem with a lot of safety programs out there, because just right away, they just say, I don't trust you. And so because I don't trust you, I don't think you're you're smart enough to know what's going on here. I'm going to dictate to you what you need to be doing from a safety standpoint. It's one of the one of the biggest issues we're seeing out there. Um, <clears throat> in in 2013, uh, I, I I came close to leaving the profession. Um, in an, due to an argument I had with, and I'm not like that uh, petulant or or like easily bruised, but one argument I had with a guy that I respect um, just about more than anybody else in the, in the entire industry. And um, I thought he didn't get me. My thing was, listen, everybody needs to wear eye protection. Why? Because we had one person. And, uh, and his thing was, you have no idea what it's like out here every day. And uh, his, his thing was people like me dictating to people like him and his, and his crews in the slog every day, um, these rules and these regs that were blanket rules and regs that didn't take into into account or into consideration kind of like the life that they live every day. And uh, it was a little bit deeper than that, but that's kind of the gist of it. And uh, today, that guy is uh, someone who speaks at 
Con Expo. He's like an in-demand speaker at Con Expo. Mm-hmm. He's, he's a field guy. He speaks on culture. Well, mm. And now it's 10 years later, right? 10 years later, and he's, he's, he's an in-demand speaker on culture. And they turned around their culture. What, what the issue was, was people from the, the office, we'll say, we'll put that in air quotes, were dictating policy as if it was like just you know, throwing out candy at a parade. Um, and then saying that those that didn't follow that policy should be punished, right? Rather than saying, listen, what's the actual risk of the task? What do you guys think you need to, to work safely? Um, that example, there's now 13 key leaders from that company. You know the company, but there's 13 key leaders from that company who they don't even have a safety director. This mm-hmm. is a, a 300 person company. They don't have a safety director. All of their field leaders, yeah. from the most senior field leader to the crew level, take care of the safety. And if you ask them what PPE do they need, they'll tell you based upon the task. Yeah. Not, but not rules Which is and how it should well, be. Exactly. It, so go figure. Is, it gives the power. Back to, yeah. to the basic leadership principles. And, uh, and we're not going to go on a Jocko rant here. But, <laughs> but, uh, and I talk about this at, uh, with our company. Um, you know, decentralized command. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. Like delegating authority to the field. Yeah. People that are closest to the problem make the decision. Imagine that. And have the best, often the best solution. But it, you need to create, instead of a, a leader follower mentality, it needs to be leader leader. And there's still way too many organizations where it's top down, leader follower, yeah. and do what you're told. Are, do, you, do you all work with mostly self-reform contractors? Um, we work with both. But yeah. Yeah. We, have, we have GCCMs. Yeah, because yeah, this is, I see it more on the GC side than the self-reform side, because the GCs, oftentimes, they got to sit around and like, well, I'm, you know, I got to justify my job somehow. I've got to do something. So let's make some more rules. And then let's go enforce those rules. <laughs> And I, I like every bad experience I've had on a job site is with yeah, somebody sure. from the office with a GC. Every single bad experience because they're there to tell me I'm doing something wrong or I'm not within their rule set or whatever it is. It's like, hey, <laughs> calm down. Like, let's just have a conversation about it. Like, I had this one guy. He came over and he had the – which. These things just drive me nuts. The stupid <laughs> hockey helmets with the chin strap, and he had the he had the the like the the mirrored face shield that goes over his face. Well, the mirror looks cool. You realize that, right? That's that's a cool look. <laughs> that's, Come on now. That's Come what on. you think. But <laughs> it's like you're not you're not Tom Cruise here. You're not Top Gun. You're not getting an F sixteen. You're not Maverick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and he comes over to scold me, and midway through the scolding, he realizes he doesn't have eye protection on yeah. because he didn't have his face shield down. <laughs> Flips his face shield down and continues to scold me. I'm like, like I almost started laughing. I'm like, come on, like, do you see what's happening right here? Like, come on. One of my favorite experiences in hindsight was when I, uh, I was on a project, a bridge painting project, uh, doing a safety walkthrough. And uh, as I was leaving, the contractor uh, wasn't a client of ours, but uh, the the authority that owned the bridge was. And the contractor's like, hey Jeff, listen, here's a. You like baseball caps? I'm like, yeah, I love them. He's like, here, here's one of my baseball caps. I had their company name on it. So I get to my truck, pull off my hard hat, uh, and I put on their, their baseball cap. <clears throat> and I drive to the next bridge where, uh, same authority, but it was our client working there. Uh, and I've got their competitor's baseball cap on with, mm-hmm. their, with the competitor's name. Um, and that's not bad enough, right? So I had to compound that. I had to make it worse. So I, I uh, pull up and I see that, that there's a crew working there and they don't have hard hats on. So um, I'm irritated, upset, I'm angry, I'm righteously indignant. So I, uh, I get out of my truck and uh, I walk over to him. I'm in the work area 
And uh, Mormon's looking at me. Are you okay? And I'm looking stern, trying to give my best stern look. And uh, he walks up to me. He goes, uh, Jeff, you, you okay? I go, well, I'm not happy about the lack of hard hats. I said, uh, let's talk about that. He goes, um, he points his head and I, and I looked up and I saw I had I saw I had the baseball cap brim not the hard hat brim and I go uh be right back I, I said, just yeah uh, so and then I forgot yeah. I had a dentist point so I get I go back get my hard hat come back out and he goes what was your concern I yeah. said um and he goes what was the name of the hard hat I said you know what man we're good we're good I said <laughs> uh can we can we get hard hats one and um but there's there's the to be a little bit of an apologist for the GC side um they're often front and center when the shit hits the fan and the and the news media shows up they focus in on that sign right they get that logo uh -huh. um they're at least in the line of fire for risk whether they transfer that or not through oh the they contracts. transfer oh, a lot oh, of they it. do they oh, do and boy, we certainly help them right yeah. but there's but i think it's the um it's it's the mindset that you can you can best control and and, and i'm saying this intentionally uh, you can best control people if you um, if you load them up with rules because then it's it's easier it's easier to manage them. Um, it's um, and I, listen, I'm uh, for some people that may hear this, they may um, they may be laughing because uh, I've only recently uh, drifted away from intentionally so, but drifted away from that type of mentality probably in the last. I'll say 10 years, but that's, you know, it's a third of my career or two thirds of my career that I was the guy that would walk out there and be like, you know, you're in violation, you're, you know, whatever, um, you know, the one more time type of thing. And um, uh, the senior VP of our department, he and I were talking the other day and we were talking about this amazing thing uh, that we're seeing where if you actually talk to people on the job, say the people doing the work, mm -hmm. um, you learn a lot and um, you start to see things from their perspective. I was talking with an iron worker the other day. He's up, I don't know, 16 stories um, tied off, working outside the guardrail system tied off. And he's, we're having this casual conversation. I'm on the safe side of the guardrail. He's on the other side tied off. And uh, we're having this casual conversation about slip fall hazards. And um, uh, I said to him, you know, while we're at it, I said, make sure you check your harness. I said, I know with iron workers, you guys, you, you, you'll wear a harness until it's nothing but threads, like just nothing but threads. And he goes, well, it takes so long to get it adjusted to fit. You're wearing it every day. I said, well, I said, let me ask you. I said, do it for you. I said, I know you got a family, right? I said, just, I said, when you, and it, it wasn't awful, but I said, just take a good look at it. I said, do it for you. Don't, and, he, and he's looking at me like, and he shakes my hand. Like it's this, Amazing thing. I had a conversation with him. I didn't write him up. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to discipline him or punish him. I'm talking to him one-on-one. -on -one. Well, because it's from a, care. a, a caring, well, yeah, yeah, a caring perspective. Care. Like, but actually imagine care that you actually care about people and have a conversation with them, right? It's, um, yeah, it shouldn't be a new thing, but we're, that's the approach that we take is because it, it, we, every once in a while we run across people who show, at least demonstrate that they don't want to go home to their families. I, it, that blows my mind. But the best I, I have some ideas about that. Right? Yeah, I mean that, that's yeah. mental illness and depression. Well, yeah, right? well, they, yeah. And, I mean, which it, is rampant in the workplace. Well, yeah. construction. Look at the look at the suicide rate in construction. It's, it's bad. Yeah. It's bad. Yeah, but even even you know the suicide rate 
That's become a hot topic to talk about, and I, and I think it is. But even just alcoholism, oh, yeah. drug abuse, um, go look on a job site. How many people are healthy? Not many. That's something that that um, I, I'm I'm extremely happy that the industry is waking up to that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, several years ago, I was talking, uh, um, doing a class on silica, respirable crystalline silica. I don't know, forty people in the class, and I'm I'm preaching my best um, preaching style about the the horrors of silicosis and. You know, I've got uh, you know I've got a very dark presentation on. I can depress anybody with this stuff, right? And uh, uh, and I'm trying to win hearts and minds. And we had a break; it was break time. I'm like, all right, guys, why don't we take a break? Uh, what do you think? Ten minutes? Like, yeah. Everybody smoking out back. They're screaming outside. Yeah, sucking down That's cigarettes cool. as fast as they can. Nice. Coming back in with the the monster, the all the just the shit. And they're sitting back down. Like, all right, let's you know, let's keep talking about silica. And uh, and I also figured that probably. 60% of them, not, and, and by the way, not please for the love of God, don't, don't mistake this, not because they're stupid. I've run across a, a very, very, very tiny, tiny, tiny fraction of people in this industry that would classify as stupid. The mm-hmm. absolute vast majority are brilliant, probably more than people would ever expect. So here are these people, and what are they going to do after this, uh, after this uh, class? They're going to go outside. They're going to get their personal vehicles, probably not wear seatbelts, probably drive hammers to hell, maybe buy some uh, six packs on the way home, right? And practice this, this unhealthy lifestyle that's uh, going to uh, worsen whatever already might be uh, a challenge in their lives. So I, I can't not care about that. I don't need to be their nanny. I don't need to be their mom. I don't need to be their their overseer. I, I, I'm not preaching at them from a from a position of uh, of uh, holier than thou, but I'm looking at it going, how can I care about you? Like if 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 we're working together on the job site, how can I care about you? That you're not breathing in respirable crystal and silica, but you're running yourself absolutely into the ground. You know, you're 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 bordering on alcoholism and uh, you know maybe uh, uh, borderline drug using or whatever. But hey, at least when you're at, when you're at the job site, you're doing great with the silica. Yeah, nice job. Yeah, um, I'm gonna pee real quick, and then we can <laughs> we can talk about we can talk about what some of the better contractors are doing. Yeah, because as much as I love talking shit, especially about GCs, I want to focus on what's <laughs> what's what's going right and what what some of the better contractors are out there are doing. Uh, but pardon me, pee break. It's a pretty swim. Um, just, there's like a Nashville masters group that swims kind of near downtown. It's a indoor pool. Yeah. It's, it's really nice. Yeah, coach yeah, is, yeah. coach is amazing. She's, and it's me and like, like 30 oh, wow. or 40 others. Yeah, I, I go to masters classes as well. Oh, do you? My, my triathlon coach, I have a coach cause I couldn't swim. So yeah. Yeah. Him up. Swimming masters Does. class. Masters. Yeah. yeah. It has nothing to do with our uh, level of swimming. Yeah, how good we are. It just yeah. means our age, our advanced age. We're master. <laughs> yeah, most most everybody's like fifties and sixties. Yeah. What are you doing in a master class? Master's class. Just swimming. I mean, as far as oh, yeah, okay. yeah, they just like run the workout. No, I mean, like your, your, your age. You're saying that most everybody in there is fifty or sixty. No, well, it's anybody that's over oh. like high school. Level. Oh, okay. yeah, 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 there okay. are some right. younger right. people. Right. Just yeah. To, okay. yeah. yeah, I don't know if you're like sneaking in the. No, like, this uh, is not like uh, water uh, aerobics. Okay, you know, he's okay. not. No, <laughs> and some of the, some of the older people, they can swim. They can swim. Yeah, you'd be amazed about that. Be amazed. Yeah, it's it's incredible. That was the thing about the Ironman too. There may be like a hundred out of seventeen hundred that were less than thirty. 
Yeah. What? Yeah, and it's then an old uh, person, what? Uh, yeah. And the Iron Man, which I didn't totally understand, but then you start looking at the bikes and just the expense of it. Oh, I it's mean, a, it's yeah. an elitist sport. Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a wealthier person's yeah, sport, yeah. like like a yeah. decent tri bikes, like fifteen grand. Yeah, it's ridiculous. You, can drive you know how much uh, money is in one area in a parking lot? That's what bikes? I was trying to do the math. <laughs> I'm like, all right, seventeen hundred bikes, like average of maybe ten thousand yeah. dollars a bike. Yeah, it's, it's more than sometimes construction equipment on a job. <laughs> yes. Well, I I was thinking, okay, is there more money in bicycles in that parking lot, or if that yeah. car was full of cars? And right. I was like, bicycles, yeah. a lot more than yeah. bicycles. Um. So what? What are good companies doing? What 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 looks good out there? What what should companies be thinking about? Who who are the like? What are the top performers doing? Because you all see a lot of companies. Yeah, we do, yeah. and I think we hit on it. And not to beat this drum, uh, but the culture piece, the decentralized command, is a big part of it. It, it is. You see, we see uh, the companies that are doing it right and doing it best right now. They don't necessarily have a safety director. Or a person that, one singular person that runs the program, it's they've, they've really tried to put that out into the field and empower everybody. You can't yeah. staff a job with enough safety people to make up for um, a lack of competent persons, competent persons being uh, people who can recognize existing and predictable hazards and who have the authority to do something about it. You can't, you can't ha possibly have enough. You, you know, there, there are job sites with thousands of people on them. Yeah. Um, and- it's um some general contractors try they they do but it's it's um uh i'm i'm still foolish enough uh, to think that i can help change the profession i don't leave my name behind the change in profession but i'm still foolish enough to think i can help change that because it's it um we see that it's the way we've seen uh we've seen people do it successfully and um uh and we you know we've listen if you look at the fatality rate in construction for the last 20 years, it has not moved. It, it, it drops down, goes back up, drops down. It, the line is flat. If you look at the, um, how we've done with recordable injuries, because we've learned to manage them better, right? You don't really need stitches, do you? Well, come yeah, on, come hey, on. Hey, we don't yeah, need to record yeah, yeah, yeah. that, come yeah, on. So, but if you look, that line is, it has, has a steep downward trend. So we're still killing people but we're just not having as many recordables. Yeah. Well, what does that say? It means we're, we're only getting smarter on how we, I was gonna say massage, but I'll say manage the numbers, um, but we're still killing the same number of people. I, that's unacceptable, right? So there has, to be, there has to be a better way. And we see that way as being companies that, where the safety is driven by the culture of the company, literally the culture of the company, and by the people all the way down to the crew level. If, if, if you get, if you start to, affect people's minds and really get into their minds and start to change the way they think you start to change these numbers around and it's um it's lord willing the creek don't rise if i have if i have 10 years left in this profession um the legacy that i want to leave behind is that we see that awful fatality number absolutely just pointing down to zero because it it sounds it's, again it sounds like a hallmark card thing but uh, like an awful hallmark card but truly no one should wake up in the morning and go to a job site where they believe that there's a high probability they're not going to return this isn't combat 
Mm-hmm. There are a lot of similarities in that there's dynamic environment, a lot of stuff changing, but it's not combat. Mostly, for the most part, in this country, we don't have job sites where there's people shooting at each other. Philadelphia, maybe Baltimore. Uh, no offense to Baltimore for anybody who's a fan, but um, but I, it it it's um, that's how we're going to change it. Is that we 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 have to get to that front line. the The answer, let me. The problem people think oftentimes is the worker. The answer is the worker. It really is. The answer to what ails us is the worker. Uh-huh. It's not It's not more pages in your program. I was talking with a guy that lost two employees in one incident last October. Horrific incident. I knew both not well. But the one was going to, uh, a week after his death, was going to marry off his daughter. Okay. It happened to be uh, that weekend happened to be the one-year anniversary of when I married off my daughter. The safety guy for the company, tremendous guy, excellent guy, love the guy. He was um, venting and opening up his heart to me basically about his frustration with just, you know, that, that shit, right? All that. And I asked him the question. I said, if... I said, why, why are you frustrated? I mean, other than the fatality, of course, right? But he goes, because I, I can't get away from my desk. And this is a field guy, like he wants to be out in the field. This is a safety guy that wants to be out in the field. I said, why not? He said, because most of my time is spent doing administrative stuff mm-hmm. for GCs, right? I'm filling out programs, I'm doing whatever. Yeah, project um, owners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, qualifications, forms. Yeah. And um, I said to him, what else? He goes, well, he goes, our, our, our safety program, like, you know, we have this, this, program. I said, well, let me ask you, would, would another 10 pages or 20 pages of policy have made the difference between those two guys living or dying? Would it ma- would it have made the difference? Maybe if he had had another 20 pages, right? And he paused and he, he goes, I won't say exactly what he said, but he said, no, right? Emphatically, no. I said, well, then what I'm gathering here is that you're frustrated because you think you can make a difference being with the people on the job site, talking with the people, interacting with the people at the sharp end of the stick, and instead you're stuck behind a desk doing stuff that ultimately, let's face it, right, ultimately doesn't move the needle. And, yeah. and that's, again, we, but, we've, but it's, it's what we know. If you say to a, the average safety person, you know, put down, you ever see the iStock photos of safety people? Have you seen them? I, well, I, yeah. I love stock construction yeah, photos. Exactly. Yeah, and, big fan. And what do they do? Inevitably now, they're, they're like used to be, they're holding a clipboard, right? And they're always pointing, right? It's, yeah. always, it's always pointing. And you, you have to, <clears throat> they bo- they can't both be white anymore right, nowadays. Right, right, right. Everything and, has and to maybe yeah, be probably into women in construction. Be, right. and, yeah. And yeah. now, now they're all holding iPads, right? They're all holding iPads and, and, yeah, and yeah, they're pointing. IPads, and it's the, yeah. and it's that, uh, and it, we have gotten away from thinking that talking to people at the point of the work is where we should be. It's this, it's this, this weird, uh, sterile distance that we have, where we can stand behind an iPad or an iPhone, whatever, and point and log stuff and think we're making a difference. And it, it's, <clears throat> I, I haven't, I haven't found a safety report yet that made the difference between somebody living and dying. But to, yeah, we'll have to show you guys a, a clip from uh, Family Guy on that. It's like this guy in like a suit on a job site. He's like, 
Plans? Oh, building, I've seen it. I've building, seen it. I love plans. it. I love the it. Construction, I'm I was like, pointing. I'm like, supposed yes, to point. sir. Right away, sir. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just, and, it, and then there's like a catchy theme. It's like businessman in a hard hat. <laughs> <laughs> one of my favorite memes. I'm telling you, it is. It, but, but look at what. Like, it's funny because it, it it's it's true, right? It's really it's actually very accurate. That's that's what humor is. But it's so I yeah. think I, I I think it it feels weird to. And, uh, you know, I gave a talk to an ASSP last year and, and uh, or, or earlier this year in San Antonio. And uh, one of my things was, I said, you know, I had an acronym, but I said, put down an iPad and have a conversation with people. Actually have a conversation. Imagine that mm-hmm. and find out what they're thinking. And, but it, it takes more time and it's not, it's not measurable. See, we like to measure things in safety. I mean, yeah. trust me, we like to measure things, right? Yeah. Um, you have a contract that goes, well, my program... 300 pages well mine's 500 and whatever and we you know we what do we say if you can't measure it why would you do it so anyway it, it's it's a frustration with mine because again while we're having this conversation today while we're here right we can lose what three to five people in in this industry today just today yeah the and the observation about some of the best companies not having a specific person dedicated safety i think spot on because it can work against you when you, well, he's the safety guy. Oh, sure. You don't have yeah. to worry about safety. Right. Um, another pro tip or, or for people is if somebody with an iPad on a strap is walking towards you, just just <laughs> take a water break. You got to take a leak. Like, right. just get out of there because nothing is going to happen after after that person shows up. Um, uh, when I was talking with Bob Chapman last year, he'll, he'll be at the area Dirt World Summit. Looking right? forward to that. Which yeah. I... I I'm probably most excited for what he has to say to that group because I think what his message, I think, will be most uh, surprising to that that group of people. It's all about caring for people. And he went out to this big construction construction site, big big construction site, big big construction company, and was with the guy that runs the company, very well known name. And they were talking all about safety, 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 safety in the job show. And they go out and tour the job site. And it's a you know, big site, very impressive. And he asks one of the guys out there, "What's uh, what's what's frustrating out here?" And and one of the construction workers says, "Well, it's this big site, and we have to park off site. And so when we're done every day, we have to wait twenty minutes for the bus. We don't get paid for the twenty minutes. I'm tired. I want to go home." I have to wait 20 minutes for this stupid bus to get me home. So that's 20 minutes less of my family. I'm not getting paid. No value whatsoever. It's frustrating. And his point was, do you think somebody like that really cares about safety when they're frustrated by something right. that simple? And the answer is, that's no. They're, they're frustrated. They, right. they, their mind is elsewhere. You're, you're talk, yeah, you, you hit right on it, right? Yeah. The engagement. So yeah. we talk a lot about human capital management. Right. The human element. You, and we talked about you can't eliminate risk. And the reason why you can't eliminate all the risk on a job is because the greatest source of your risk are your people. Mm-hmm. And we're not investing the amount of time or energy and resources into helping improve our human capital. Mm-hmm. And it's everybody's tagline, right? Our best asset, greatest assets are people. But we don't yet invest. It's the it's this probably one of the biggest issues in the industry, right? Is getting enough labor to do the work. But do you know how well we onboard new employees when they come onto the job or they come to the company? Only twelve percent of employees think they're onboarded effectively. Yeah. So we struggle to find employees. Yeah. 
And then when we bring them on, we're just so happy that we found one. It's like, oh, thank God we got somebody. Throw them out there. Yeah, here's the address. Yeah, here's yeah. the address. Show up over here. Yeah. We don't onboard them. And, and it's a terrible experience from the beginning. And they're like, oh, they don't care about me. And, and you just start the cycle all over again. And, and that leads right into engagement. The reason why people get hurt, you could train them over and over and over again. They have all the proper PPE. They still get hurt. Why? Because up here in their head, they're engaged. They're thinking about all the others, thinking about the fight they just had with their wife. They're thinking about having to get off the job site to get to their, their kid's soccer game. And they've got to wait 20 minutes and, and they're pissed off. And so the human element has got to be, the pri- got to be a priority because it is the greatest source of risk. And the companies that focus on the human element are the ones that'll do better. Well, it's the greatest source of risk, but it's also the greatest asset. Absolutely. If it's treated that way. That's right. A lot of the kind of the old school mentality, it's it's people are uh, just the the thorn in the side of what would otherwise be a great gig, building stuff, moving dirt, machines, pouring concrete. But dirt doesn't get moved without people. Nothing gets built without people. And so it's, you can, well, this is a thorn or this is actually the great part about this business. And if I work with it rather than just be all sour and and butt up against it, everybody's a lot better off. Everybody's a lot better off. And we're going to make more money. We're going to make more money. That's the crazy part about this is this isn't like invest in your people. You're going to make less, but that's just it. Sorry. Well, the the solution that that one of my clients has is we're just going to throw extra money. We're going to burn people out. We're going to work them till they die. But we're just going to throw more money at them. Yeah. Right? Instead of spending some of that money to find a little balance and invest in the people and develop a culture that people want to come there and work and get, instead of the employee going to company A, they come to this company, uh, be the employer of choice. No, they're just like, no, we're just going to work them like a dog and then we'll just throw extra money at them. And they're spending the money regardless. They're spending they the are. money regardless. Yes. If you, the companies I'm thinking of that we've worked with on culture, if you ask them about their profitability, they're going to tell you their profitability is up. Think about that. I've so, seen it. So oh it's, boy. It, is it the main driver? No. But is it what they're, uh, are they seeing that as a, you know, if you want to call it a side uh, or a byproduct? Uh, and, you know, I'm a businessman. I'm a capitalist. I want to see companies make money. I believe that they're, you know, profit's a good thing. Uh, I do believe you can do that. You can, can still invest in your people. Uh, but I think we, I'm reminded of a, a job site I was on where, um, I got to be careful how I say it. It was very hot. I was going to use another term for it. You can imagine, right? But it was very hot. Uh, um, the, uh, you know, it, it, it was just, it was hellish. And uh, everybody's suffering. And one of the execs pulls up for the, for the one subcontractor. He pulls up $140,000 Porsche. Nice. Um, and he's got the, you know, he's got the, uh, you know, the painted brakes and all the special stuff. And the stereo's thumping and the windows are all tinted no, that's, up. No, that's cheap Porsche. In the grand scheme. Okay. Well, anyway, yeah. so he pulls up, pulls up, <laughs> uh, slides the window down just a little bit. He's talking to the superintendent. Superintendent saturated, right? Saturated, just sweating his ass off. And everybody's suffering. The guy's like, you know, the air's cold, air's coming out of the car. He's like, you guys get, uh, get, what did you need? Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. So, so we're going to be okay. We're going to, we don't have to work tomorrow. No, no, I think we're good. All right. All right. Window goes back upstairs. Somebody pulls away <laughs> and look at it going, there, there's just, there's no way you can undo the message that's been sent to their entire team, right? Mm-hmm. Um, um, contrast that with a, uh, there's a contractor I saw a few weeks ago on a project and uh, uh, they're doing a concrete pour. Um, and 
the pour started at 4 a.m. The truck started rolling at 4 a.m. in the setup. The owner of the company and his son were there before 4 a.m. Mm-hmm. Helping get everything set up, not not micromanaging, helping get everything set up, making sure it's, imagine this, this, this sounds crazy, right? Making sure his guys have whatever they needed. <laughs> I'm, I'm laughing because it's, it's crazy. And uh, they, they were there the entire port, mm-hmm. not micromanaging, supporting. Sure. And as a result, they got people that would just about kill for them. I mean, their people see them as, as not as these ivory tower executives, but as one of them. Like, hey, they're people that have our back. They show up, they're in the, you know, they're in the thick of it. Um, and, you know, Jocko has, you know, one of his um, uh, main mentors uh, in hindsight, well, it, at least historically was um, Colonel David Hackworth, mm-hmm. famous, famous for being present with his people, like absolutely being front and center when the shells are coming in, when the bullets are flying, there he is, right? Um, driving him hard, but absolutely supportive. That to me is, is the perfect example of what a, an executive should be. Uh, Bob Chapman, uh, who recommended his book? I'm trying to think of who, somebody recommended his book. Maybe I saw it uh, mentioned in, uh, in your stuff, but I'm reading it and literally I'm like looking up his company because I'm like, there's no way, there's no way an executive can care this much about his people. Like you can't have a successful business. I'm like, what's he doing here? And I'm looking at all the different companies and I, I, I haven't stopped so many times reading a book in recent years, and I have that one, just stopped and sat back going, mm. and like doing yeah. some more research. And then when I heard he was gonna be at, uh, at Dirt World, I'm like, no offense to Jocko, right? I love Jocko, but I'm like, I wanna see Bob Chapman, right? Yeah. Because yeah. I wanna find, like, I, I really wanna know, is this real? Because it, it, it's a real company that makes real things, that's real big. That employs tens of thousands yeah. of people. And they, like... But yet they treat their people like their people. Mm-hmm. And they have cynical people, they have union people, they have all this stuff, right? They have all this stuff that we could say, well, you have to understand that in this environment, he's, he's said all that uh, as, as a non-issue. And um, uh, it, it, it really got my attention that you can, you can uh, genuinely and effectively care for your people and still run a highly profitable business, mm-hmm. no matter what it is. Well, but- I think, and this is what John Mackey teaches with conscious capitalism. It's not two sides of the coin. It's the same damn side of the coin. Yeah. It's like the more money we make, the more we invest in our people. Like it's 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 directly correlated. And this this term profit, it has this icky, gross connotation to it, um, driven by like corporate America hasn't done us many favors on that front. But it's true. in the grand scheme of things, Profit's a great thing. It's how a company survives and employs people. One, uh, that's the money left over to invest in the business, future state, and invest in those people. And so, yeah, the more the the, the more profitable businesses, the more they can do for their people. And I think that's why that's why uh, Barry Waymiller's done well is because they're very profitable. They have a lot of money to invest. But it's not it, not accidental. No, it's, it's, yes. it's not. It's not like it's not like they just happen to hit on. You know, Amazon is very profitable too, right? I mean, well, well, at least they're they're yeah, very big. They're yeah, very big. They're yeah, very big. yeah, yeah. Their revenue, they make a lot of money. Yeah, but well, they spend. Okay, how about this? Jeff Bezos is spending a lot of money. Right? Jeff Bezos is profitable. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's done fine. Yes, I'm not worried about him. Um, was so. You know how do I how do I reach out to y'all? 
who who should reach out? Anybody? anybody? Anybody can reach out. We one of the things you'll learn about us, Jeff and I personally, and just really every other employee at the Graham Company is we're eager to help. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I get I I'm dealing with an issue right now. This guy called me out of the blue. He read an article I wrote ten years ago. Mm-hmm. Not a fit for us at all, but he has an issue, and uh, he cared enough and liked enough about what what I wrote that he reached out and I gave him time to help help him out. Mm-hmm. And so, reach out to me or Jeff first, uh, and we'll put you in, in touch with the right people. Um, Anybody that's dealing with an issue related to risk or, you know, just not knowing where to go uh, to get an answer for something that's holding their business back. Yeah. We're, we're happy to. And I could be a contractor out. already with insurance and all of that. Of course. Yeah. 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 Just we're looking to get better. Well, just it, looking yeah. to get better. Uh, we do just as much consulting as we do uh, placement of coverage. Okay. As we talked about the full continuum, right? It's uh, the coverage, the insurance piece is for that, the risk that we can't eliminate. What's the smaller side of the businesses you, you work with? Well, uh, we work with pretty large companies generally. Yeah. Um, it depends what kind of trade they're in, what kind of work they're doing. But if you're spending 750000 or more on insurance, they're, you're right in you. our sweet spot. Yeah. Uh, but companies that are smaller than that, we, uh, we have a network of partners that we can help. The one that I'm, the guy that called me out of the blue after reading my article, uh, he's, he's, he's really small. Mm-hmm. But I'm hooking him up with a broker I trust. Uh, a sister company of ours, and um, he's going to get taken care of well. Sure. So really, we can help anybody. Okay. And yeah, if um, if there are companies out there that are frustrated with their culture or concerned with their culture or not sure, maybe they're they're stalled in their culture progress. Um, uh, we'd love to be able to help. And that's uh, it's um, as part of our advisory services. Um, we may be able to, you know, depending, uh, even if they're small, we may be able to help them uh, with that. But we'll, uh, we're not going to, we're not going to um, kick them to the curb, no matter their size. We're going to connect them with people that we think, if we can't help them for some reason, we're going to connect them with people who can. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, um, culture and leadership are my passion. And and again, I because it, I believe it's how we're going to change things. That's how we're going to make a difference. Sure. Well, that's why yeah. we uh, made a whole event dedicated to the subject. Yeah. So we'll see. Yeah, we're looking forward goes. to it. It's going to be a great event there. It's a, it's a crazy cool uh, group coming. Like these are all top executives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're doing. Yeah, you top companies yeah, in the industry, yeah. which is surprised yeah. me. I'm like, wow, these are these are really big time people. Uh, so it, it's going to be a good time. Sure. Yeah. Well, I was, I'm, I'm super happy you guys were able to yeah, stop. Thank by. you, Aaron. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah thanks this for having is us. something I haven't really dug into, and I, I think it's a great topic. It's extremely important. And it's oftentimes behind the scenes, unfortunately. So, thanks. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. Enjoy.